Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. There's a nice rhythm to that at this point. You know what I mean? It's got a little, anyway, sway. Um, all right, what are we going to talk about today? I want to talk about a few player comps since we covered how I'm making them last week. And also there are just a few players I was looking at on my player targets list. By the way, almost no one's paying attention to Patreon, YouTube, and the podcast. And like, I, I don't like covering things more it feels like stealing content from myself like stop being lazy there are so many things to talk about but i'm gonna do uh, a brief look at my wide receiver rankings for this rookie class there are nine players that stand out pretty decently i did a youtube video on it but it's rookie it's definitely getting into rookie season now despite the amazing playoff season we're experiencing and um yeah i know some of y'all won't have seen that youtube video so i just want to go over the top nine a little bit um but anyway, yeah, I want to start with some uh, player comps, specifically Juju Smith-Schuster, but I also uh, had Brandon Ayuk and Jerry Judy mentioned to me, and I think they all fit uh, a- an interesting area uh, of what to do with them in Dynasty now. And so I'm going to talk about all three of those guys, and then we'll get into some uh, wide receiver rookie ranks. Hope you stick around for it, or that you stuck around even for this much. Anyway, thanks. Let's do it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the mass not adding up You said I'm checking out I'm just Welcome to the ground Okay, so yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster I bought him, uh, I traded for the right to claim his NFL stats as fantasy points, whatever the woke term is, I guess. I don't know. Um, But I got him in a lot of dynasty places. This season was a big disappointment while Deontay Johnson, who I specifically went on my way to point out, was very, very positive last year and really should be drafted higher. But I was so in on Juju, I just kind of missed that as something I could do with my teams. And I feel like it was somewhat of a miss in 2021 for me. I definitely should have done better around it. But 
like he's on my dynasty teams. I assume he may be on one or two of yours. What do we do with him now? Now, I have this list that I maintain in my ranks sheet that I put out on Patreon where I've got my dynasty ranks and um, also comparing it to ADP and that kind of stuff. But I've been starting to track this list of trade targets and Juju is on it. Now, I've got different levels of trade targets, just players in the elite tier of dynasty assets and also just players um, that I think are worth trading for right now. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase recently came off that list because I want to be a lot more honest with it. The fact that Everyone should want Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb. <clears throat> Pardon me. Justin Jefferson and Jamal Chase in Dynasty is perma-obvious, and I just wanted them on there just so I could say, look, I've been telling you to trade for those guys anyway, but like their value's there. It's as high as wide receiver value gets. Uh, so the idea they're great targets right now, I mean, they are because they're great and they're young and they're Dynasty assets, but I mean, there's no extra value there they're not undervalued and you should probably just know they're great those claims to those stats are great things to have for your dynasty roster so and i'm trying to limit the list down to as fewer names as possible so the only two players i've got in that like elite dynasty asset um tier for wide receiver right now are aj brown and cd lamb because there's still some value in those potential trades um but yeah i mean there are many other names we can mention as players I like in Dynasty, players I want on my Dynasty squad. But just to give you an idea of what this list is, it's not wholesale. It's not, he's a, here are all the players I like. And they're not just value players because both AJ Brown and CD Lamb, like you're going to trade a packet. You're going to give them the bag to get those players in Dynasty. I just think it's worth it right now. And they're slightly, people are slightly more willing to trade them right now than uh, I think is... No, not that it's not fair. There's significant risks. I get it. But you know what I mean by trade targets. Play it, players I think I'm more confident in than most of the people, therefore, in my leagues or in your leagues. They might be easy to trade for or they might be possible to trade for at value. All right, that's it. But there are some other tiers too. And one of them I called the riser tier because I ran out of names eventually. <clears throat> the players I'm willing to give uh, significant value for, I think they're good. I think they are very young um, oftentimes. And again, doesn't mean they're cheap, but I think I'm more confident in um, than most or more people that might be in my leagues at their current value. So I'm willing to give that value up. Now, Oftentimes, throughout maintaining this list, it's just been rookies. I don't really have a way to sort into the other lists. They're not proven producers yet. They're not team old guy. They're not undervalued because they're just well-valued. They're just young, hopeful players. Um, but after the first season, it's pretty clear that Devontae Smith and Elijah Moore are both below where I have them ranked in Dynasty. And I have a lot of uh, interest in I feel a lot more secure in their future than I think most do. So they're on the risers list just to give you an idea, but that's not who I want to talk about. The two other players on this list right now, Juju Smith-Schuster and Brandon Ayuk. And I've been going back and forth on one, will will there actually be a good opportunity to trade for Brandon Ayuk? Because the team did finally find a way to get him involved in the offense with Debo Samuel being the <clheim> alpha <laughs> or whatever um and he has had another great season he looked like a great player after his first year the only reason i went in against the debo samuel in the fourth round pick as it were for this year and was one of the big successes i guess for me personally i feel like that was one of my best takes one of the best things i approached this season with and that i was lower on 
uh, Brandon Ayuk because I thought Debo would be the one or the highest scoring fantasy player and I thought he was being drafted significantly behind him. And that worked out to be ultimately true, but again... At the time, I was still pointing out that Brandon Ayuk was great. He had a great rookie season. He fits a lot of profiles, um, and I thought he was going to have a good career, and there was significant risk if we didn't draft Brandon Ayuk or didn't trade for him or didn't like him as well as the market. So I feel like I just kind of hit that one on the head. But after this 2021 season, it's not that anyone's low because he did come back and he's had some great games, especially the second half of the season, together with Debo, because good players don't mean you can't be good on the same team or play well on the same team and again he played well again but I'm wondering if some of the hype or some of the shine came off that bloom rose and no there's a metaphor there somewhere and so I like Brandon Ayuk a lot and for that reason it might be time I can get in on him despite having Debo basically on a perma buy list at this point and he would be in that elite category but he's in a different category he's definitely on the player targets list because no, still no one's willing to accept it, um, and so he's actually ranked significantly below where I have him in Dynasty. I have him a top 12 wide receiver, but I'm getting off the point here. What I did for this podcast, um, and just generally to assess whether I should keep him on the list, was put him in the comp list, uh, the comp generator, or whatever we're calling it, and that I was talking about creating last podcast, and we we're talking about some CD Lamb comps, um, and so on and so forth. So, who comes up with Brandon Ayuk? Because the the obvious question and um, everyone above him within his cohort uh, cohort sophomore model that ranks similarly to him in his in uh, comparison to the stats he's put up so far in his career uh, is incredibly positive you've got cooper cup keenan allen just owen blackman who you really can't judge the rest of his career after his first second year obviously because he just never came back to the nfl at uh, calvin ridley and ty hilton that's all positive. They'd all have one or two top 36 seasons up to this point in their career, as has Brandon Ayuk. And they all, except for Blackman and Calvin Ridley, because Calvin Ridley retired, uh, essentially. Hopefully he'll come back this year. And Justin Blackman, you know, basically uh, abandoned the NFL after successive drug charges. Charges? I'm not sure that's the right word, but he was uh, slapped for the use of marijuana, if memory serves. Never really came back to the league. And so I think those comps are all really positive. Now, on the downside, there are some worrying concerns. Deontay Johnson, by year two, had had similar stats, only one top 36 season. But we actually now know he's had a top 12 season. Um, and so, yeah... Uh, I don't think that's a negative comp. I think it's interesting they come up since they play in such different ways and different areas of the field. One's a volume guy, one's Brandon Ayuk. Um, but they'd had similar levels of success across their stats and within the sophomore model, and I think that's positive. The other one's Jordan Matthews. He never had another top 36 season after his second year, but again, he suffered injury, moved around some different teams away from Philadelphia, and he was incredibly good. Don't think it's negative um, at all, and those players rate most closely to Brandon Ayuk's stats so far to this point in his career, and their, their quote-unquote bad after their second year is all kind of explainable and got nothing to do with their ability. You've also got Sterling Shepard and, um, and Kendall Wright. They're pretty far removed in this cohort from Brandon Ayuk's overall stats. Kendall Wright had a bigger target share for game, for example. Um, significantly, Brandon Ayuk's at like 19.2 on average through his first two years, and Kendall Wright was at 23.4, but played uh, fewer games. He was also much less uh, efficient. He had like minus one fantasy points per game, 
over-expected. Um, up to this point in his career, Brandon Ayuk actually has a positive efficiency rating with uh, you know one fantasy point over-expected per game. Uh, I, I don't think they comp very well together. It's just interesting to see there are some negative comps here. Sterling Shepard isn't a bad comp in the sense that they play nothing like each other again. Like uh, Deontay Johnson and Sterling Shepard are more similar than Brandon Ayuk. But in terms of the co-opting of their role and their overall stats to this point in the career, they're fairly similar, but they're most removed from Brandon Ayuk. And yeah, I, I don't think either make fair situational comps to him. And still, So Brandon Ayuk's comps are mostly positive. The negative signs or the negative comps are mostly explainable um, and I think he should be continually productive from this point on and um, if we can trade for him at his current value I, I think I'm definitely interested in that it becomes who's more available and who can get you can get the better trade on in your league at that point he's currently ranked in dynasty as wide receiver 26 which is why I decided to keep him on that yeah I'm definitely int- outside the top 24 wide receivers I think Brendan Ayuk is definitely a top 24 dynasty wide receiver from this point forward um, and can produce within in that range and so yeah I'm really interested in him so I kept him on um the list so yeah that's Brandon Nuke I, I think it's really positive and uh, I would definitely investigate trades for him in my league now the other player I want to look at in comps today um is uh Juju like I said at the very start but you know I'm a moron and went into Brandon Ayuk instead um so Juju's like 25 last year or so. He's really young. But his comps to this point in his career are really interesting. They're not negative. They're not positive, which means I think it's doing its job. You know, it's not just telling me a rosy story of this young player who's had like a top 12 season already. Um, it's comping him to players like Steve Johnson, who never had another top 36 season after his fifth year, which Juju just played in. And Pierre Garçon, who had three more top 36 seasons from this point forward. And those are his two comps closest comps neither quite fit the bill of a top 12 upside wide receiver but I think given what we've seen over the last few years from Juju Smith-Schuster it's harder to believe in that ceiling I still have it in my heart and I think it's possible and and I fully expect Juju to stay on the Steelers I think the signal of what's going on with Juju's career is he seems pretty comfortable and wants to stay in Pittsburgh and play for the Steelers and so if he has the option I think he'll opt for that so yeah I think that's where my head's at I think Juju's going to be playing on the Steelers I think Deontay Johnson's amazing Chase Claypool is great at what he does on that team and so it hopefully the quarterback situation gets better but we really don't know how to wait that so yeah there's a I have a lot of concern with Juju Smith-Schuster and I think that's fair but even based on these past few years when you average his stats his main comps are Pierre Garçon, Michael Crabtee, even Devontae Adams, but he had a much slower start, obviously, than Juju Smith-Schuster, um, and Amari Cooper. Uh, like, those are not bad positive comps. I think Juju's still going to be uh, productive in the NFL. He could still put up very fantasy-relevant seasons. And right now, he's ranked in Dynasty as the wide receiver vamping just a little bit longer because I just imported this and I have to go look for it. He's like the wide receiver 40. Um, and so I think he's probably valued at like a, a second round pick. Play. He's valued at a first round pick, essentially. But what I want to do is take a second round pick, add him to another good player who I'm less interested in or less excited than the market. If there's someone on my team, if there's a running back, for example, uh, and try and get Juju Smith-Schuster, I think there's upside there still. But yeah, at this point, it's fair to say that even his comp list are showing some downsides, that he might be more of a Pierre Garçon from this point than he is a Deontay Johnson, frankly, or a Brandon Ayuk. I think there might be less upside there 
um, given the nature of their roles. But yeah, I, I'm trading for Juju still if I didn't already have him in Dynasty rosters. And I think those comps are a fair way of uh, showing the concern. Actually, um, the other player that was mentioned uh, while I was talking about what I was going to talk about today was actually Jerry Judy. Like people might be uncertain what to do with Jerry Judy. And I am too. And so that makes sense. His comp list most closely puts him also to Randall Cobb, which came up on Juju Smith-Schuster's list, by the way. But it, in your second year being comp to Randall Comp, I actually think that's more concerning for Jerry Judy than it is um, Juju Smith-Schuster because Juju's already had the high notes um, and Randall Cobb had three top 36 seasons after his second year, but he again had lower draft capital and had slower start than Jerry Judy. And having similar stats up to this point in the year is more concerning than I would generally like it. Robert Woods obviously kicked off his career after his second year with four top 36 seasons after this point of Jerry Judy's second year. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of worrying comp for Judy uh, on this table. His upside are Robert Woods, who went on to have four top 36 seasons after moving team. Preston Williams? I don't, I don't like that at all. Michael Floyd, who was continually or a perma-disappointment in Dynasty, despite, I think, showing being a good player and definitely being a good NFL player in different ways, but never really lived up to what we hoped his potential could be. Corey Davis, who you all know I love, but he's definitely been disappointing. And Michael Gallup, who again had lower draft capital and had a slower start. And by year two, he was averaging a 17.2% target share and Jerry Judy's averaging a 17.9%. Remember that's per game so it's not like well Judy missed time well yeah but I, I per game dicks you're all getting nuts for per game stats so that's not positive now the other potential comps are like J- Jameson Crowder but again he had a slower start he was lower drafted had two top 36 seasons after this after averaging like a 15% target share after year two uh, Jerry Judy's at 17 again and remember this cohort's being created by the sophomore model so it's based on a per attempt performance in fantasy points per game expected points and yards per snap so yeah that's not positive for a player drafted so high now does this mean Jerry Judy's a burst no I, I think he's a really good player I think he's shown more than enough in the NFL to prove that he's a good player the team has struggled making excuses for Juju Smith-Schuster with Ben Roethlisberger and although Deontay and Claypool was sure been getting it done in other ways, but not quite as hot as we like on Claypool's side, and um, with bad quarterbacks, which is normally not a good excuse. Ultimately, I'm more concerned than Jer- with Jerry Judy than the market, probably because I was a little neutral on him as a rookie prospect, where he was getting somewhat of an Alabama bump, and I'm always a little unsure with players getting extra value because team because uh, it doesn't work that way but ultimately his stats look good as a rookie he's performed very well in the nfl we're looking at him going into a third year which is a very productive breakout year very common breakout year so i'm not low on him i'm not desperate to trade him away but i think i'm a little less confident than the market especially looking over his comps and um, personally i'm not trading him away for nothing but if i can trade him into a player i feel a lot more confident with or add a first and get someone in that elite tier cd lamb aj brown or even going all the way up to justin jefferson and uh jamar chase then yeah i'm interested in doing that with jerry judy if he's on my roster but if i can't i'm definitely holding him i'm just telling you i'm a little more concerned than the market so he's in my i'm more willing to trade him for very good actual value that he ranks for in dynasty right now he's ranked in dynasty as the wide receiver something 
He's ranked as a wide receiver 22, so we are showing concerns. He's a little lower than that in redraft rankings, because I'm starting to peek at those to get an insight into where Dynasty might be under or overvaluing players. And um, yeah, I, I think that's fine. I think wide receiver 22 is a fair value, but I'm willing to trade him at that value. So there you go. That's what I'm doing with Brendan Oak and... Juju Smith-Schuster and Jerry Judy in Dynasty, and a brief look at how their careers comp to players from the past and the present, in the sense of Deontay, um, so far. Um, None of them are bad, very clearly, but there are more and less concerns. I actually have more concerns with Jerry Judy than Juju Smith-Schuster, precisely because he's already, Juju's already continued to tumble down the ADP board at wide receiver 40 um, and I think the risk is baked into the, uh, the potential draft cost at that point so yeah let me know what you think about all three players or what you want to hear me think about all three players through a different lens did I miss anything hit me up let me know um, I'm gonna do a quick rendition of my YouTube video where I rank um, the top there, there are about nine wide receivers who clearly stand out above the rest in the 2021 class. One of them, I have no idea how to rank, so I guess you could say 10. Uh, and the actual 10th player is interesting, but I don't think he stands out uh, here and above. But let me just run through the first top nine. I'm going to start inviting guests onto the podcast soon, and we're going to get into these rookies in more depth, because that's the next part of my process. Once I get a good sense of the class at this point, I want to start talking to people who have different opinions and have access and different information than I do, whether they're from tape or they process numbers um, differently, and we're going to start doing that. But to start off, I just want to give you a sense of where my ranks are, and since I guess you probably didn't pay attention to the Patreon or the YouTube video, or maybe maybe Twitter, I don't know, but either way, um, let's do that in the podcast too, and then we'll do it for running backs next week, and then get guests, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, top nine wide receivers in the 2022 rookie class so far, go remembers he doesn't have drops instead just slowly opens up a different spreadsheet disappointingly all right so uh jameson williams um he's a player i have no idea how to rank um he looks like a very good player but he only played one season with eight or more games and i tend to want to see multiple seasons with at least eight games played because of that small sample trap that i've learned to avoid and and consistently hit with because no one else wants to admit to it or they want to per game it instead and it seems to be one of the big edges just to not know what players are if you didn't see him more than play more than six games in a single season like somehow that has become an edge uh, okay, I'll take it. And um, now Jameson Williams did play one season with over eight games, and I'll say he was significantly above the age curve in that year. He's coming from a great conference. He's coming from a well-drafted team. I think he's going to get draft capital. But to complicate the matter, he tore his ACL literally the day I was trying to write my notes for what Jameson Williams is. And so the draft capital, while he has declared for the draft, is somewhat in question. As it stands, I think he's more Jalen Waddle, limited sample but positive signs, or Brandon Ayuk for that matter, same thing, limited sample but positive signs. Brandon Ayuk actually had one good and one bad year over eight games, and Jameson Williams is more positive than that. And if you know that you can't per game it, and and then go look at his overall career, while there's only one career where he played more than eight games and it was over the age curve the other years where he was playing less than eight games still actually looked pretty decent 
So not making an adjustment on a per game basis, but going through a per team pass attempt basis, his yards per team pass attempt looks decent. I think overall, I'm actually feeling more confident about Jamison Williams the more I look at him. But right now, he's ranked as wide receiver zero and tier unknown. I don't really know what to do with him yet, but you're going to hear about him a lot, and, and we need to. So I just thought I'd put him up front here. He's not wide receiver one. He's wide receiver, I don't know. Um, but I think he's very interesting, and he's probably going to get draft cap as long as that ACL doesn't hold the NFL back too much. So, we, yeah, that's where I'm at. Now, the wide receiver one, for me in this class, stands out above most prospects in this class. He's the one, he's the tallest tree in this forest, which is more of a, as Zach Reed has already told me, it's more of a, it's more of a prairie than it is a forest, um, and it's hard to find trees over shrubs. Now, this doesn't mean that this wide receiver is clearly going to dominate, um, but he clearly profiles as a very productive player who compares well to past prospects that have gone on to do well. And everyone else in this class, both at running back and a wide receiver, struggled to do that. They struggled to separate or be clearly comparable to past good players. Um, although there are multiple good signs, I think they're going to be good players in this class. I think it's 2015, 2019, um, where there are less hits, but definitely as bigger hits, um, and it's a bit more of a crapshoot. There are more landmines, your 1-3, one, the, the, the fourth pick in this year's draft might tank, but the 11th pick and the second pick in the second round might be Keenan Allen. You know, there's definitely potential here, but I see it more of a, a scattershot class. All right, but the one who's across all positions that like I don't have I don't see any red flags on is Traylon Burks wide receiver one the only elite tier wide receiver I've got in this class so far um I actually ranked him before I really got through with most of my other evaluations it was that clear he stood out better or compared more easily to pass productive players than most like pretty much immediately coming from a well-drafted conference uh, a well-known team I think he's going to get draft capital you know, all that is an asterisk. What if he doesn't? Then everything changes. Um, but he's, outside of that, he's clearly good. Now, he's not going to make breakout age Twitter happy because he broke out at age 20 at both the 20 and the 30% threshold. But again, that's where you look at the, or where I look at how their career progressed rather than that single individual identifier. And to put a positive spin on it, his graph looks a lot like AJ Brown, actually. And that's the kind of production profile we're looking at. And it's good. That is very, a very good production profile. Um, let me see. Can I put in some notes with some actual numbers here? Uh, yeah, he's got over three yards per team pass attempts in both the second and third year, beating the team average by a significant amount, which is actually 2.1 yards per team pass attempt, and he's over three. And getting over three in yards per team pass attempt isn't the be-all and end-all, but it's a significant sign you were, you were performing really well at a really good level with a really high, uh, significant level of volume to do it as well um, in both the second and third year. And it's also better than the conference average. He's playing in the SEC West, by the way. I keep forgetting to mention what the conferences are. Um, and the average for the SEC West is actually higher than the team average or just a positional average uh, of 1.8. The SEC West is at 2.3. So, yeah, sometimes this is why team adjustments don't work or conference adjustments are frustratingly small. But even in the best conference for wide receivers and the most drafted conference for wide receivers, it's like a 0.2 bump. Traylon Bucks is easily above those in both the second and the third year. Um, if 
30 and 40% share of the team's receiving yards looks real good over those years. Um, and so he seems to have impressed in an impressive manner. Now he ranks sixth in the pre-draft model. Uh, or my first pre-draft model. He actually seems to rank first in my adjust the adjustments I made to it this year. Not for Trellin Burks. I just adjusted for drafted rate a little bit and an easy brought him up to the first rank in my wide receiver model. And he stands out clearly above the rest. Now the others are going to scan through a little bit more. Again, watch that YouTube video. I break them down each in a little bit more and provide more context. Um, but I just want to run through where I'm at right now. Second tier of wide receivers in this class. Got a solid tier here. I think there are definitely some uh, gems um, within this tier. Very few of them have draft concerns. I believe they're going to be drafted. It's about where, not when. Um, Productive, uh, but slightly fewer high notes as Traylon Burks. No three yards per team pass attempt, or it's not as common on their profile. And, you know, uh, they stayed in school for four years, or they had some down years, or they only really had a significantly above the age curve one year. And so... There are various pluses and minuses that make them look slightly less good uh, than Traylon Burks, but they're all very positive. This, If you're in the second tier, you're, I've called it the solid tier. Like, I expect him to be drafted, um, and I think they're really good in college uh, based on past prospects that have gone on to do well in the NFL. So that's, and I'm really concerned more with tiers and ranks here, but I'm going to rank them for you just so you can all hate me for it. And so I go Chris Alave, Garrett Wilson, George Pickens, who I keep flicking back and forth because Wilson played as a two to Alave and Pickens was playing as a one on his own team. And I kind of like that about Pickens. I also like the fact that Pickens and personally as a player justifies the fact or re-examines or re-justifies the fact that team adjustments are nonsense like he is breaking out and doing very well uh, through two seasons on a team that had both Riley Ridley and McCall Hardman that everyone wanted to make team adjustments for Pickens doesn't need team adjustments he just broke the averages because he's good and I kind of really like that and um, both players did significantly well they played uh, two seasons over eight games and they're both above those uh, the age curve in both of those seasons um, and I expect them to be drafted I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go they go Chris Alave is one of those players who seems to have stayed in college one year too long, and that last year was a little disappointing, but he was playing with Garrett Wilson, who had one of his better seasons, and also was slightly below the age curve. The team seems to have struggled last year a little bit, I think. So there are some sour notes on it. Um, but ultimately, uh, up to that point, he'd had a fairly standard career arc, but his last two years, or the uh, 19 and 20 seasons, were definitely um, close to, and then again, above the age curve. And I think so, he looks like a pretty good player when you compare him to past pro uh, prospects. Um, let me see some notes here. Oh yeah, he plays for Ohio State. So we know Terry McClellan and Michael Thomas both failed to do everything I just said on this team in recent history. Again, this is why there is an Ohio State adjustment. And Michael Thomas and Terry McClellan just seem to have come up through an era where the team was misusing his talent pretty clearly. Chris Alave has better notes. It does definitely not mean he's a better player um, than either of those two. But it's just interesting to note that he comes from Ohio, which has had some concern, which might, you know, throw some justification on that last year being uh, slightly disappointing. Again, breakout age Twitter is not going to like um, this class. There are positive age-adjusted production, relatively few good breakout ages. Now, starting my third tier, which I call interesting, but draft concerns, which I think is fairly self-explanatory, I probably like some of these players in this tier more than some players in tier two. 
but you have to adjust for how likely they are to get draft capital. And there are some sour notes on some of these profiles as well. Um, but David Bell, the first tier I've gotten, uh, first player I've gotten tier three. Um, I'm ranking him as therefore wide receiver five overall. Um, he has one of the most interesting breakout age notes. He broke out at a 30% threshold at age 19, which is very significant for breakout age Twitter. Unfortunately, he was playing less than eight games in that season because the whole team did, and so it's kind of missing from his graph. So I think he might go slightly underlooked, as well as, well as him playing at Purdue, which Ronda Moore just came from, and back in the day, General Yancey was a positive, but not nearly as positive player. In terms of production, um, as both Rondell Moore and uh, David Bell both look more productive than Yancey did. But we've had a lack of success coming from Purdue, so I think it's worth noting. Um, but overall, yeah, he, he has some of the best age-adjusted production and the best single breakout season um, of any player in this class. And I really like him. I'm really hoping he gets some draft capital. And um, Next, I have Sky Moore, who just kind of rockets up any production models, by the way. But he's also coming from Corey Davis's old team. Which I believe is called the, I don't know, the Mars Badgers. I don't know college teams. I forget. It's Western Michigan. Um, and so there's a slight sour note that this team seems to elevate wide receiver stats. But again, since the team and conference averages don't do enough or adjust for those, I can't do too much. But Sky Moore's profile is good. It's really good, actually. We just have some concerns with where he's going to be drafted. And the fact he's doing it on a team that sometimes elevates wide receiver stats or has a history of doing that. Um, but I think it's fair to note that Corey Davis is an NFL-level player who's been the wide receiver one for two different teams. Like, it's not like that production didn't lead to a player that can actually hold his own in the NFL. It's just been somewhat muted for uh, fantasy. So if Sky Moore gets draft capital, I'm probably going to throw caution to the wind and just like his production profile, although I expect to be trolled by Zach Reed and all the other uh, tape monsters who remember Corey Davis. Um, Sky Moore actually profiles somewhat between Greg Jennings and Corey Davis in terms of production from the same team. There's a conference switch there after Greg Jennings, but still, he he looks decent. He's got over three three yards per team pass attempt in one of his seasons um, and is consecutively consecutively above the age curve and coming out as a three-year player as well so there's no late declare problems uh next player in this tier i've got is drake london who I do want to become a Detective Noir star, obviously, because his name's awesome. Maybe if he goes to the Colts, he can hook up with Jack Doyle, you know? Yes, I did tell that joke in the YouTube video as well. I'm recycling content here. Deal with it. Um, yeah, I'm running out of time here. Well, I'm not running out of time. I could talk as long as I want, even though I'm already late for work. More, I, I, I've already broken these damn profiles down. Um, check out my ranks. Check out my sheet. Check out the YouTube video. Drake London looks good. Um, he's only got two years where he was below um, or as good as players that have got ranked him above him in this tier. I've been asked why I'm so low on Drake London. That's why I mention it. I'm not. I thought I was positive. I actually love the players in this tier. I have more draft concerns than anything else. But if you're just asking me profile to profile, that's how Drake London profiles. Um, as good or slightly worse even though above the age curve in the years that he played more than eight games. So he falls slightly below Sky Moore and, and David Bell. But uh, I think it's a really positive profile, and I actually kind of liked uh, a lot of what I saw on there. Uh, Southern California wide receiver. Oh, yeah, he did better than Pitten. 
um, who obviously had a great season in 2021, and Drake London did slightly better than him in terms of those uh, career marks for market share receiving yards and yards per team pass attempt in a relatively similar era, and I always like to note that. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty positive on Drake London. Uh, the last guy in this tier is Wondell Robinson, who requires a lot more time than I have. He started out in Nebraska as a running back or a running back hybrid. He's rushing about 88 times listed as a running back, but also doing significant work in the receiving game. He elevates into a higher conference uh, for Kentucky in the SEC um, and continues to dominate in yards per team pass attempt. Actually, has his best year in yards per team pass attempt last year. And I, I think he's really interesting if the NFL takes a shot. He was uh, a good wide receiver um, in terms of yards per team pass attempt while playing running back. And that's... That's interesting. And then when he converts to wide receiver, he just kind of blows the average away in a higher conference. I think there's a lot of positive on Wondell Robinson's profile. And he's the last player I have in tier three. I haven't wanked as wide receiver eight. The last player I've got in, in the top nine that stand out is Justin Ross. You really have to squint at Justin Ross and throw away most of his career in terms of a production profile to actually see the positive. But he actually suffered significant injury and seems to have been struggling with it in his age 19 season. Then he skips the year, comes back, and doesn't seem to be quite the same player. So it's kind of a Mike Williams type profile. So I'm literally justifying just throwing away most of it. But at age 18, he played and he was at the yards per team pass attempt average for successful players at age 18. Again, it's not going to make breakout age Twitter happy, but he played above an age adjusted rate well in his age 18 season. And from this point on in the draft class, that's one of the most positive notes I found. Um, is he back from his surgery? Will the NFL take a shot? It was a, a neck spinal fusion. I'm not going to pretend to understand it, but it seems significantly dangerous and I'm happy. He managed to, you know, recover from that and actually become an NFL draft prospect and play again in college. But it's a really interesting profile, especially if you squint at it. And if we're squinting at Jameson Williams in that unknown tier and thinking, overall, it's positive. And I think we could justify feeling that way, feeling some sort of way about Justin Russ as well. Um, yeah. Now, the bad note is when he did come back, he had less market share of receiving yards than, than uh, Mari Rogers did in the year he took off. And Amari Rogers was obviously not a great prospect in terms of fantasy. He's gone on to the NFL and been somewhat similar as uh, in fantasy as not much. And so that's a low note. But again, that's comparing him to Amari Rogers after he has that surgery. Uh, his age 18 season, while playing with T. Higgins, I'll point out, um, was really good, and it was above the age average in yards per team pass attempt, which is the best stat, uh, the stat I like to look at the most right now in terms of the age curve in college. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really positive note. I think we need to know a lot more about him if the NFL is going to um, draft him at all. He's got draft concerns and some rough spots in his profile, so I actually dropped him into Tier 4 called Interesting, but rough spots on profile. Very descriptive tier names, obviously. Um, yeah, and that's where I am at. He's a ninth player that I'm interested in. Technically 10th if you include Jameson Williams. Um, and that's one of the better positive notes I've got left. Um, do you hear Dotson, just in case... Uh, Dotson, just in case you're into college and you're wondering where he is. Yeah, I know about him. He's the next player on the list. And he's fine. Um, I haven't really spoken about him too much. I want to look into him a little bit more. I think he's fine. I just find it less interesting than what I just said about Justin Ross in terms of a high note on his profile. But, you know, I, I'm willing to be convinced on Jahir Doxon. 
Anyway, those are the top 9, 10, 11, technically, wide receiver prospects I've got in the 2022 class, and roughly how I feel about them. Uh, again, ask me, or check out that YouTube video, or, you know, just don't, because you don't care. Um, if you want to know more, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year, next next year even, uh, next week I'll probably get more into running back ranks, because I've just about... I'm just about ready to start ranking running backs again. I've done about 16. I've got about another 20 to go through before I have a complete running back rank set. Um, And then we'll talk about them, all right? Uh, Or check out the Dynasty Dummies podcast on the DF... DF... The Atwork. I don't know what their network's called. Just Google Dynasty Dummies. They're actually doing a... Uh, running back breakdown right now of all the rookie running backs and it's uh, it's really interesting to listen to with J. Mike Check and Zach Reed and, and also Matt Foreman so I'd, I'd advise checking that out as well all right gonna get out of here and be late for work hope you're having a good day and I'll talk to you again next week or on stream tomorrow or the next day see you later bye yeah Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.